Super Sprint is Paradise by the Dashboard Life. It's the Atari ST Show, Episode 2. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Atari ST Show. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Super Sprint. Oh, man. Now, it's funny. I, you know, I wrote that open. I do craft these openings. You wrote that? I wrote that. I thought me, I thought Jim Steinman wrote it for somebody else. I, I wrote it several weeks ago. Yeah. And how was I to know of the tragic loss that we experienced yeah. this past week? Yeah. I, I, as we record this, the, the loaf has just went down. We love meatloaf, but yeah, I love meatloaf, and I'm sad to see him go. Yeah. Now, Aaron, when was the last time you had a little paradise by the dashboard light? <laughs> well, most of the time I spend behind the dashboard lights on my way to various prisons. <laughs> It's been, it's, I would not. It's prison life by the dashboard lights. You don't want to get into the duet part of that song. I can tell you that. You know, I feel like today in today's world, yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 difficult to to get a little paradise because the the, the seating arrangement is so different in the in the front seat. You yep. know, and if it you're is, in the, if, that's true. If you're in the back seat, there is no there is no dashboard light back there. Well, you, you know, you I hadn't thought about it. Honest, yeah, you're right. You, you got, got that center console getting in the way. You remember the old? You're not that old, but in the old days when you had like in the front seat was a couch, right? Basically. That was so great. It was I never so much better than bucket seats. I love the couch because it was comfortable. It had springs and crap, and it was great. You know, now of course you get brutally killed if you're in a car wreck as that couch smashed you into a fine powder. In the, in a it gets that old style hard steering wheel. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I did. I do miss those. You're right. It's a lot more. It's a lot more difficult to get to get down and funky without that without the couch being involved. When was what was the last car that you had? Did you ever own a car that had the bench? I've never in had. Front? No, I never had one. The only car I think I've ever been in that my my grandparents the last car that they bought one of the last cars they ever bought was an '88 Oldsmobile. And you think the 80s, they, they, that was out, but not in Oldsmobile land. Yeah. They had the bench seat all the way across. They weren't called Oldsmobiles for nothing. That's because true. old people love those things. Oh, the couch was great. You know, I, here's what, it, the ideal car setup, you got the couch, right, in the front seat. You mm -hmm. got the couch in the back seat. And then behind the back seat is that big, huge area between the back window and the top of the, mm -hmm. and you could get in there. Yeah, you crawl up in there. You know, and that's how big it was. Like, mm -hmm. you never see that anymore. No. Also super dangerous. <laughs> now, did you ever, were you ever riding around in an old station wagon that had the rear-facing seat? I, you know, I've never, I don't think I've ever been in one of those. I've seen them, but I've never been my in one. My other grandparents, my grandparents in Louisville, they used to have a station wagon that had that where it folded up out of the ground. Yeah. You know, and I remember riding the Churchill Downs in that thing. And it was just being so weirded out by the fact that I was in a car, I was facing backwards while moving. Presumably, that's also super deadly. I think so. I think so. You know, and one thing that changed, though, I think, I think, is that this stuff seems super deadly now, but the cars of those of that era were built like double super death tanks. Mm -hmm. And so it was hard to actually crumple them like they are now. That's right. They crumple right away, that's which right. I guess is good. I I, well, I think strictly from a safety perspective, you want the car to absorb the impact of the hit and crumple. You know, so. the thing that bothers me is that cars have gotten so much lamer. My old buddy Big Head had this car. It was a big, like, it was like a Firebird or something. And it had like the tr the engine in it was the size of a normal car, mm -hmm. and the, it took two guys to lift the hood on this thing, and it drove like a boat. It was like twice as long as a car. It had mm -hmm. a huge trunk that you could live in. Right. You know th those. I love those cars, 
but the gas uh, crisis kind of took care of that. They you know? did. They did. Yeah, but those old cars that were like 240 feet long and nine feet wide. You remember that? You ever seen that show Forever Night? It was an old vampire show. Mm-hmm. It used to come on late night. The, I love the gimmick in it because the, the, the guy that... The guy in it was vampire, right? Mm-hmm. He was a good. He was also a cop. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Why not? It was like Blade. Yeah, but one of his gimmicks was he, he had this car, a specific car, and they were like, "Why did you buy this car?" And he's like, "Because it's got the most trunk space of any American model car." Because he'd have to sleep in there. Oh, sometime, yeah, that's right. So that's that was, right. When the sun comes up, you got to. So get how out what would of he it. do now? He'd be boned. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's true. It's a good thing. That's probably why the show went off. The that's why they got canceled. Yeah. Cause change. That's what it was. <laughs> Well, Aaron, this week's Atari ST show is brought to you by our patrons, as always. And in particular, our game selection committee member, Dave Velociraptor. I've heard of him. Yeah. Mm. All right, Aaron. Now, before we get into Super Sprint uh, for the ST, I thought we might take a walk down memory lane a little bit. You know, the first Sprint game in the series that's technically like in the Sprint series was released way, way back. You want to take a guess of what year the first game oh, in the Sprint series was 74? released? 74? 74 is correct. Right on the money, man. Good work. Uh, it was released and it was known as Grand Track 3. That's G-R-A-N-T-R-A-K. Yeah. They had to leave out a couple letters thanks to the oil crisis. We were just talking about saving money. What? So, apart from the game being in black and white, Atari pretty much had the concept down, you know, in terms of a single-player racing game. You had the wheel, you had the gear shift, you're driving your tiny car from a bird's-eye view around the track. It did lack opponents, though. Yeah. So, there, there was a sort of a single-player, you know, race-against-the-clock type affair. So, there was definitely room for improvement. And we got that in a game called Sprint 2. Yeah. They skipped Sprint 1. They went great, straight from Grand Track to Sprint 2. And I 19- believe that's because it had two steering wheels. Yeah, right? yeah. that's right. That's right. Uh, either via you, your buddy on the wheel beside you, or for the first time you had an AI opponent that had some sort of semblance of, of, of doing something other than just like blindly going around the track. It would react to your movements in a limited way. So, uh, that was out in 76. and 77, you got Sprint 4 and you got Sprint 8. And I bet you can, I bet you can guess why. Yeah. In fact, I believe Sprint 8 had wheels around in a square setup. That's right. Yeah. It was like an octagon. Yeah. That, I remember the they, they, when those were coming out, they were just changing the amount of players, basically. Right. But the only thing right. they changed. Now, yeah. did you, have you played any of these, these I have. I've games? played Sprint. I've played, I think I've played Sprint 8 one time. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see those much anymore. Well, it's hard to get eight people that all want to play a game <laughs> that is that is like Sprint at this point in time. But I think it would be cool to have if you had one of these massive basement arcades. You could you could get some people around. It would be sprinting. fun. Yeah. I bet mean, that's a party game and a half. Yeah. Right, right. So uh, Sprint Four and Sprint Eight were the first games to introduce the color to the to the games for the first time. You had color screens, um, but confusingly and somewhat appallingly, the next sequel, Sprint One. Uh, <laughs> it, it was back to a single-player game only. Mm. So they, I guess they went off the cliff, and they're like, we can't add any more wheels. Let's go back to just one wheel. And I think the reason why was because the arcade operators were starting to complain that they couldn't line the games up and cram as many games as possible in the arcade with these wheels sticking out everywhere. Yeah. So this was just a normal, you know, normal thing. Okay? And so... That was the last significant upgrade to the series before Super Sprint was released in the arcades in 1986. Mm. 
So this game hails from 1986. That's amazing to me that a game like this was released that late in the arcade uh, scene. It is. You're weird. talking about this is this would be past pole pole position mm-hmm. and stuff. Right. This is sort of like a throwback. Well, it's before that, but it's it's or it's after pole position, but it's before you know Ivan Stewart's off road. Yeah. yeah. Which is his clearly, name Ivan? Is that right? I'm an Iron Man student. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I believe in the, in the first Amigos episode when we talked about this game, I referred to him repeatedly as Ivan Iditarod Stewart, which is incorrect. Or you could call him Dave Stewart, which I've done that before. <laughs> What's the guy from the Arrhythmics? <laughs> so, what makes Super Sprint stand out from the other games in the series? So, first of all, you're no longer you know racing in sort of the void of the you know just a black background or in the dead of night depending on how you want to look at it you're now surrounded by lush grass you've got grandstands you've got a cheering crowd this game reflects all of the graphical improvements that had evolved by 1986 including you know even though you're it's a top-down racer your car sprite is pretty detailed especially when you yeah. compare it to the earlier sprint games it looks like a real real racing car uh, you've got the score is overlaid directly on on the play field it's not you know in its own little hud above the screen um and the ai opponents are much much better so speaking of opponents super sprint in the arcades was released in a somewhat unorthodox three-wheel cabinet which probably caused the same sort of consternation to the arcade it's probably operators. the most wheels they could stick into one and still have it, still have it up square on the side like Iron Man Stewart, yeah. that's right so do you remember seeing the three-wheeled super sprint in the arcade you know i i I think I think they had one at one of the Huntington Mall gold mines for a spell, mm-hmm. you know. But I, these are the kind of games. I, I honestly, at the time, I wouldn't have given a second look because they're they look so you know old. They look like this game so looks just like the, an old game. Just the perspective kind of turns right, you off. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And really, Iron Man Stewart, when it came around, it I, it had my attention more just because the idea of racing monster trucks. Was a little bit more interesting, than right? Well, it, it, it introduces you know the different. You could go over the humps, right, and Things like that, right. and stuff like that. I can understand what you mean. Well, enough ancient history here, and it's time to talk about the Atari ST version of Super Sprint. So, Super Sprint on the ST was developed by Electric Dreams. Mm. Are you familiar with these guys, Aaron? We seem like we've come across them somewhere down the pipe. We've heard about these guys about a million times. Yeah, um, they hailed out of Southampton in the UK, and they developed and published dozens, dozens of classic games for all the big computer platforms. They did uh, Millennium 2.2, which was released which, here as Millennium Back yeah. to Earth. Uh, we talked about that. That was actually, a, I, I really liked that, that game. fairly recently. Yeah, we, yeah. we covered that on Amigos a while back. They did Spin Dizzy on yeah. the ZX Spectrum. Yeah, I can't win them all. <laughs> they did Deus Ex Machina. Which we're covering. In right, which, I, yeah, by the time you listen to this, unless you're watching it live, we'll have already covered it on, on our Sinclair. Um, and plus they did tons of ports of arcade games. That was really their bread and butter. They did Super Hang-On, R-Type, of course, Super Sprint. Now, this port was turned around pretty quick. Uh, it was, this uh, the arcade game came out in 86. Electric Dreams uh, developed the port and it was released in 1987. So maybe under a year turnaround time yeah. for this, which is a pretty substantial feat. So yeah. let's get down to it, Aaron. Let's talk about the game itself. So now you've got everything from all the tracks are there, all eight tracks. So the arcade game shipped with eight tracks. They're all here. Um, everything from a basic square with a with a little hairpin in it. You got some. Yeah. You've got some really wild designs on some of the more advanced yeah. tracks. Yeah. We're going over and under things. There's jumps and stuff like and that. While opening and closing like tracks, the matches. gates and yeah, stuff like that. Eight. It's an option. Uh, uh, F Alex F10 
one of the function keys will get you to an option screen and then you can set up the different players as different joystick one, two, and keyboard. This game has great music. Yeah. Unfortunately, the the music is not in the actual game itself. Yeah. You get music on the track selection screen, the 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 game over screen when you've won, when you're, you know, it shows you your trophies and all that stuff, but when the game is going on, all you get is the engine sound. So that bother you? Well, I would have liked to have had listen, we both know where we stand on this. Yes, I would have preferred to have in-game music. Yeah. Cuz especially since the uh, Atari ST's got the music chops. Right. But even in in, even in the arcade version there's no music. Um, I would like to have yeah. had it in there too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's worth noting uh, that you can ping pong off the sides of the track like yeah, you nobody's can. business. <laughs> um, you can and will. You can sort of bump into the other cars, but it's weird because at some point the game is like, okay, I'm just going to let you pass directly through the other car. So you get a little bit of action off bumping into the other cars, but at some point the game will, will just allow your car to pass through the other car. Um, now, what do you think? Are you a sort of person? Are you sort of a pole position guy where you'd prefer to explode in fiery death every time you touch an obstacle? Or do you like this kind of ping ponginess? Well, this this game's got both. I will mm-hmm. say that. You can't explode like you, in fiery you, you death. You can, and sure. also, if you fall off the top of a track or the bottom track, you'll explode. <laughs> if you hit certain areas at full speed, you'll explode. Um, do I, I? I think they handle it pretty well. I don't want it every time, but I mean, occasionally, if you do something real dumb, and if the thing is, it, for example, in, in this game, if you fall off the top level to the lower level, you really do need to explode because then you get start getting confused. Where mm-hmm. do I start? Where do I pick back up? So it makes sense. I think they it was a uh, it was uh, it was a feature that uh, played in with the way the game works pretty well. But yeah, I don't necessarily need to explode every time. Now, a game like Pole Position, yes, you need to explode every time. But this game like this. Nah, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Now, aside from the hot, hot, incredibly hot racing action, uh, you can also pick up some items over the course of the race. Uh, there's point bonuses you can pick up. They'll say like 100, 150. Uh, if you pick up three wrenches over the course of a race in, in the UK, what are they called? Uh, I don't know. Spanners. Spanners. Sorry. Spanners. Spanners. My bad. Uh, you can pick up three of those over the course of the race, and you can upgrade your car in the same way that money works in, you know, the, the Ivan Stewart game, basically. Uh, in terms of obstacles, uh, you do have some water that'll appear on the track, and these are all procedurally generated. So they, they appear oh, in yeah? different places. Yeah. I don't actually know what the words procedurally generated mean. So it makes it sound true. like a genius, though, yeah. when you say that. But uh, they appear randomly, yeah. I guess I should say. Randomly. And of course, there's the tornado. Because who among hasn't been to a race or two where a tornado, a tornado breaks the, That's out. why they don't hold these races out in the Midwest. It's yeah. exact reason. There's no Oklahoma 500. <laughs> that's right. I think that this is one of the closest arcade ports, not only on the ST, but on any system that, that we've ever covered on one of these shows. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, if you look at these two, they, they're so identical in, in the way they look that it's unbelievable. Even down to like some of the non-racing screens that look, look identical. Uh, it's a it's a uh, uh, it's a tribute. Now, on the flip side, uh, we're not we're not. Uh, this isn't like Primal Rage, something super complex. So it should be pretty close. But they did a great job. Now, we could agree that they did graphically they did a good job. They did a good job sound wise emulating the arcade machine. They did a good job feature wise uh, in terms of the actual racing itself, the control of the car. Uh, the car is really fast, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's very difficult to. You almost have to play this. I looked at this game like I would attack the stretches 
in the game and then slow way down for the turn. Right. Because it was almost impossible for you at first to actually to actually uh, get to get around these turns. And so I had to go in and slowly learn how to do it. And ultimately, I, I found a technique that sort of worked to get around this stuff, but it wasn't the best. Uh, the arcade has wheels. Okay, now, I don't know if the ST release of some sort of analog wheel system, I don't know, and if this game is compatible with it. I just use the controller with it. Uh, but I, that is one huge difference from the arcade, is the, is the controls. What this did you is, think of the controls? This is a game that I think, that, again, they were going for realism. Because if you've ever played an F1 racing game, like even a modern F1 racing game, yeah. you can't play it like you play an arcade racing game. You have got to. And even if you watch the F1 races on TV, uh, they are burning rubber going down the straightaways, but things crawl. They slow to a crawl in turns because these things just don't, they don't turn, you know? Now, does that make for a fun racing experience? I guess that that is, that, that, that all comes down to what you want out of a racing game. But I agree with you. One of the things that I like about Stuart is that you can pretty much floor it for a good portion of the race as you, as you turn around. You definitely don't have to slow down to the degree. What I, what I tended to do is I would feather the accelerator, you know, almost yeah. all the time. Unless it was a dead straightaway, I would just push that button just as fast as I could. And that would help me control my acceleration better. Well, the pickup on the acceleration is almost instantaneous. Right. It's like Porsches. Mm -hmm. So it's hard, it's hard to actually keep control of your acceleration as you were going around the track. You know, this game looks so good and so close to the arcade. But the controls, I, I really didn't like the controls at all. I'll be honest with you. And it, it actually brought the game down in my eyes a little bit. Uh, I, because you, I could not, I didn't have the controls that I thought I needed to to get around these curves. And it just seemed, to me, it seemed really fast. Mm -hmm. You know, now I did, I played this on the Mister. You know, I didn't juice the, anything up. I tried to use the standard settings. Did it seem super fast to you? Uh, like a rocket fast that would go around the turns and stuff. It was just a hard to control around these turns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it did. It did. I. You, this is a, just a. It's a game that you either you come to terms with just having to bounce off the walls all the time, or 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 you just have to take it super slow. Yeah. Um, now, Exile in Paradise does point out in the chat there are tornadoes in this game. We're watching one right now. I don't know why I didn't see them when I was playing earlier. I didn't see any either when I was so, playing. Uh, that I have no idea. I got nothing yeah. on that one. Maybe you have to get to a certain area. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't see any. I didn't see any either when I was playing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that's not the only graphical disparity. If you put these things side by side, you'll notice that everything is scaled back just a little bit. The, the cars are a little bit smaller. Uh, the, the people in the grandstand are smaller. They look more like dots than people. But, again... If, if you're not doing what we're doing right now and putting this game back to back, if you played this in the arcade and you you came home, in your mind's eye, these would be identical yeah, games. Yeah, they're very, very, very close. So, I mean, they got that part. And really, there's only so much you can do because you're effectively, you're converting digital, uh, you're converting analog controls to digital controls. And right. so you're, there's going to be a loss there. One thing that Iron Man Stewart, for a game like that, does is that the tracks are more wide open a little bit. So... Mm. There, you can fly around like an idiot and still sort of maintain your course. These these tracks, they're they're tough and they're they're you know they're tight. There's a lot of tight curves in there. Now, I think you could you can get used to controls. I got the, I was winning races. Don't get me wrong. You mm -hmm. can win, but it's just I wish I had better control. Yeah, yeah. 
So I think that in terms of being a 1987 release, I can't think of another game, another top-down racing game that could touch this in terms of the graphics. I mean, can you? Uh, well, I don't know enough about the ST to say, but I mean, this is awful good. Yeah, I, I mean, in terms I'm talking of, about on any system, on any platform. I can't oh think gosh, of any I other to, top. I have to really down. sit down. Do you really? Because think about in 1987. Think about what you know about 87 is yeah. early on. Yeah, that's I mean, very there's, there's early. No on. doubt. So yeah, I would say this is. This is at the top of the heap, and this got this got released on. Did this get released on multiple systems? I mean, did it like did. the NES get a copy of this? Uh, this one got ports on tons and tons and tons of systems. Uh, I think that the uh, let's see, I've got it here in my notes here. Uh, I tried most of them. Uh, the CPC and Spectrum ports are very well done. Oh, really? I was very, I was a big fan of those. The El Dutterino is undoubtedly the NES. Port. Really? Yeah, I was going to ask is, if you played it on. It is no good. Not only can you not pick your track, but the the course environments look boring. Like the, there's basically just grass, and that's yeah. it. It's no good. This, and that was released through the old unlicensed Tengen brand, huh. the same brand that brought us the great version of Tetris. But they really dropped the ball. I wonder why they phoned that one in. But it's what a you good question. It's a good question. I guess maybe so obviously the NES could have ran this in sleep. Right. Right. And so I, I have no idea. But it is no good. Avoid the NES version. All the other home PC ports are quite good. So you'd say this would be is the king of the heap, though. In yeah. Terms of, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, now, uh, again, this is uh, this ran the original version ran on Atari System Two board. So if you recall, uh, Super Sprint ran on it, Paperboy, Seven Twenty, and APB. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to checking out some of these other ports because I'm sure all of these games got releases on the ST. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if there was some sort of shenanigans where they were able to more easily convert these System 2 games because, they, you know, I know that Atari Home and Atari Point Op were separate divisions yeah. by this time. But, you know, this game is so well done, it'll be interesting to see if the other arcade ports hold up as well. Yeah, and those are all good. I love, I love <laughs> conversions, arcade conversions. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of action you can get on these. But this, if this is any indication, uh, this is the, I mean, a tippity top version of an arcade game. Yeah, yeah. Now it's quite notable that the Amiga did not get a version of this game, which is why we're talking about it today, yeah. until 2012, Aaron. 2012. Yeah. And it's worth noting that just last year, Graham Cowie and developed an enhanced port for AGA Amigas uh, that is really good. So if you want to walk down the Amiga side of the street, you can check that out. And he's introduced lots of things, lots of little extras and things like that that really make this game shine. Um, but, you know, of course, these later releases don't don't count against It only BST. took 25 years. That's right. Know. That's right. <laughs> so um, I did look around on the old eBay. Um, you can pick this up on uh, 30 bucks. 30 bucks. Uh, now you're going to have to, it's, it comes from the big F, Aaron. So you're going to have to pay some extra shipping. Uh, but you also from France, you can get the Jaguar CD port of this game. Really? The Jag CD. Now, apparently this was a prototype version that was never released that somebody's made up a box of manual for. But, um, you know, that's, that, that's still pretty cool, though. So now, so this was being worked on for the Jag. You know, people, what an odd. The folks at Atari were like, we need to make sure that players are only exposed to the latest and greatest. I was just to have them pony up. I, if I'd picked up a Jaguar CD, a, a CD, and this was the game I got, I, I'm I, a heart I think the CD32 marketing team went to work at Jag at, at Jaguar, or that, went to work at Atari. That's amazing to me. Yeah. They were gonna, they were, this was even in production. Right, right. That's madness. It's That's crazy. absolute madness. That's crazy. Now, we did get some Discord reviews on this one, Aaron, so I'm going to pull those up real quick. We're going to start with Sanxian. 
Okay. okay. The Sanks. Tim says, another great pick for the ST show. Another game I remember playing a lot back in the day. Played this a ton two players, although you can play three with one player on keyboard. This was one of the games I covered on Pixel Guide on Pixel Gaiden podcast on my run of the system. The ST version holds up quite well to the arcade version. Graphics are excellent, and the sound effects and cutscene ditties or cut screen ditties are adequate, giving the ST yeah. sound chip. Racing the yellow car as player one, you take on every increasingly difficult top-down racetrack against three other computer-controlled drone cars. So you start out, the cars are pretty slow, and they follow a basic line around each track, getting in the way at times. The issues begin with this game when you crash. You either bump off the side of the track annoyingly and losing all momentum and often bump back again trying to get back up to speed. If you crash head-on, your car is totaled and then have to wait for the chopper to drop a new car somewhere back on the track. This dynamic can be annoying on some of the later tracks as it dumps you back way off where you were and often facing a barrier. So when you accelerate, you just crash again. That happened to me tons of times. Yeah. Points are scored for placing first in the race, and you can also pick up bonus points around the track. You can also pick up some spanners, get four of these. I thought it was three, maybe it's four. You can select an upgrade for your car before the start of the next race. You can choose better traction, speed, or acceleration. Personally, I normally go for traction as that counts around the corners for lap time. I always get annoyed when the drones pick up the wrenches. I always get annoyed when the drones pick up the winches myself. The, the cut scenes in between each race are fun with little animations and the crowd waving when you win and the guy in last place throwing a wrench at his car. Enjoyable top-down racer for the ST for some quick pick-up-and-play action. Even more fun with two players. 8 out of 10 oily rags from Sanxian. Thank you, Sanks. It's interesting how much Tim put it over. It was with an old, by the way, the controls are horrible. And that, <laughs> that right there, an 8 out of 10, that's a little hot for me, given the fact that you can't control your car in a car racing game. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, control is important. Control is important. But it's got a helicopter. It does. That's pretty cool. It does. Uh, Pajaco6502 writes, Not actually having the luxury of side-by-side -side comparison back in the day, you could have been easily convinced that the ST port was much closer to the arcade than it really is. But it is a solid port. However, the ST game is less controllable. You can easily oversteer and bump into walls. Mud patches and oil slicks seem to be missing, and conversely, the arcade version didn't seem to have pop-up barriers from the ST. Computer control cars follow a perfect line, which can make races hard to win if you mess up your driving. I think more fun would be had in multiplayer games. Graphics and audio are great, and this would have been one for ST owners to lord it over Amiga owners during the epic Playground Wars. 8 out of 10. Man, another big score. Now, Aaron, our next uh, review comes from Salem OK. And Salem OK actually worked on, I'm going to say, he spent the last nine months recreating this exact port of Super Sprint in Python. So he's dissected yeah. the game literally frame by frame wow. in that period of time. He's added a few new features, four players, ability to skip some screens. He's now working with another developer to add remote multiplayer. And if you're on our Discord, you can check out the link uh, in the Atari ST Reviews uh, channel. And uh, and you can download that and see how he's going. Isn't that crazy? How neat, yeah. yeah that's Good awesome. timing from Salem, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Salem does leave a review, and he says... Uh, what makes the Atari ST port of Super Sprint great is not is that it is not just a port, but a reinterpretation of the arcade game's sense of fun to the best of a home computer's possibilities. Moreover, Super Sprint is a relatively early ST game coming out in 1987, but from the binary, dates mostly coded in 1985 and 1986. Would have been difficult for them to start this in 85, considering the arcade game hadn't come out yet, unless... 
They were already working on it. Yeah. Right. Right. So interesting. Yeah. Uh, it says in terms of, in Salem goes on. He says in terms of graphics, the team has done a good job of downscaling the arcade's rather high resolution at the time of 512 by 384 to the more modest 320 by 200 of the ST, while also adjusting the screen ratio to fill the screen on the ST. Yeah. This is not a game like uh, Ivan on the Amiga where you have that uh, annoying, you know, black black bar at the bottom of the screen. Actually, I think it's got black bars on both the top and the bottom in Ivan's true. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, the pixel art, I go on. The pixel art and sprites are precise with good use of the limited ST palette to match well the vivid colors of the original. The game is using a fake isometric view where the circuit is supposed to be slightly tilted back at the top of the screen and the sprites are partially hidden by obstacles to reinforce this sense of perspective. An impressive little detail that reinforces further this fake 3D effect and that I'd only recently noticed is that the game actually casts shadows over the cars as they pass under obstacles that are supposed to be above them. I believe this was still uncommon at the time on home computers and also goes to the credit of the developers and their attention to detail. There are plenty of cute animations and effects on each static screen and cutscene that are matching very closely the original and provide the game with a sense of going through races in a cohesive little world where the mechanics are working hard, the pilots are giving their thumbs up, and the crowd goes wild. The music and sound effects are serviceable adaptations of the original and probably as good as what any programmer could get out of the YM2149 chip. The knowledge and usage of the ST sound chip evolved tremendously over the following years, but for 1986, this was as good as it got then. Okay, and I'm going to skip a couple paragraphs uh, towards the end. If you want to read the whole thing, please, please check out our Discord. He says, finally, of course, this game truly comes alive in multiplayer. The fact that this game is a single screen is removing the need for any split screen or catch-up mechanics like the subsequent top-down racers, the subsequent is the correct pronunciation of that word, top-down racers like supercars or micro-machines did, which in my opinion is giving a much more fun multiplayer experience, especially with three players. I agree with him on that. So, yeah. single player, 8 out of 10. Multiplayer, 10, eight, 10 out of 10. Yeah, this is a game that you get with your, your friends to play. And, and the thing is... One thing about these games, and, and the controls aside, these games are great to play with your buddies. The way they've set them up is for maximum fun. You've got the gates in there, the ability to knock guys off the, the ramps. Mm -hmm. I love all that stuff. That's what makes these games fun. Sitting around playing them by yourself, I mean, it could be uh, uh, fun for a little while. Right. But they're a lot more fun at a party boat. Yeah, yeah. Party right. boat. It's party boat, baby. Um, so... As we bid a fond farewell to Super Sprint, listeners, we want to hear your feedback. Please feel free to leave us a comment on YouTube or write a review on your podcast service of choice about the show. We do release this show in both audio, podcast, and video formats on YouTube, and we record live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. If you want to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash Atari ST Show. We do have a goal up there. If we can get to $200 a month in Patreon support, the Atari ST show will go from a monthly show to a weekly show, which would be super awesome. And that leads us, Aaron, to our ST supporter roll call. Thanks to all of these fine folks supporting the Atari ST show. Twilight Zoner. We welcome Twilight Zoner and Olivier Massoud since our first episode. We also uh, thank Dave Velociraptor, Control-Alt-Reese, Tim Drew, Retro Jerry, and Bernard Quinn. Thank you guys so much Thank you for being Patreon supporters. Yes. If you like our format and you want to hear more 
you want to fear more, feel free to check out our other shows, Amigos, Everything Amiga, Our Sinclair, an American take on the ZX Spectrum, The Coco Show, Gaming on the Tandy Color Computer, and ARG Presents, where Aaron and the Brent spin the wheel and make the deal. All of those links are in the show notes. Next time, Aaron, we're going to be playing some Crystal Castle. Oh, my. You know, we have to almost bought that arcade machine. I mean, it's so cheap. Really? I've came with Ace of buying it many times, and I play it on my pinball machine now with the trackball. Well, you'll have to tell us all about it. So, I will. Uh, and, of course, if you are a uh, Patreon supporter, you get to leave us a Discord review, which we will read on the air. So it's time to get on it. Break out your ST. Break out Crystal Castles. And get going. Play it up. Yeah. And we will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening, and make sure you play your Atari today!